Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I do think that it's going to be the Bucks and the Suns in the NBA Finals. I could be wrong, but I doubt it. It's just my expertise having looked at the teams, looked at the depth of the teams, uh, what they've gone through to get to this point. I'm excited for what will be a great NBA Finals. I would say that Devin's skill set and ability to kind of create in those spaces is, is very unique and very Kobe-like. They're different players, and I think he's heading in that direction for sure. For a guy who's played in the sports world, you grow so accustomed to differences, whether that's religion, ethnicity, sexuality, people coming from different countries. I have teammates that have come from all over the world, and I think that when you kind of meet them halfway and, and, and figure out ways to continue to talk to them, have those conversations, you better understand the way they grew up, the situations they've been in. You know, for me, it creates a, a stronger environment and it helps make the world a better place. Welcome to the 115th episode of Pull Up. That's right, episode number 115. It is currently Wednesday, June 23rd, 2021. This episode will be coming out Thursday, June 24th. And on this date, June 24th, 1992, Portland became the first city outside of New York to host the NBA draft. The 1992 NBA draft was held at Portland's Memorial Coliseum and the Orlando Magic selected Shaq with the first overall pick. And we all know how that turned out. The season ended, as you all know, a few weeks ago. And typically, uh, I take a little break to allow myself to kind of recover, uh, allow myself to kind of relax, um, refresh, and get over uh, some of the ailing effects of the season. Obviously, it's a lot on your body. Um, physically, it's a lot on your, your mind mentally. It's a lot on your um, families uh, being away for so much of the season, obviously battling COVID and kind of the protocols that goes with that. It was a very, very stressful season, so I took two weeks off of doing nothing. Um, I added some cheat meals in there and things of that nature. Chef did a pretty good job. Shout out to Chef Joy. Mixing up some of the meals, some of the uh, desserts. Um, my wife and I picked strawberries, and we basically had a strawberry something or another every day from strawberry cheesecake uh, to strawberry pies to strawberry muffins to anything you can make with strawberries. We had it. Chocolate-covered strawberries. All those types of things. So that was a lot of fun to kind of relax and, and refresh and go through that process. About two weeks into my rest, I began to box again um, with my guy, Sim. Um, and the lion's den, just kind of sharpening up some of my tools while making sure that I'm still low impact, not running, not jumping, not doing too much on the joints, but still opening up the hips, getting some movement, focusing on the core, obviously my back, my lower half, and uh, getting uh, about 15 to, to 30 minutes in of some movement-based stuff and a, and a light little functional movements for hips, lower half, knees, ankles, and a little bit of uh, upper body, back, and core. So that's kind of what I go through as I progress back to playing. Uh, I'll take some more time to just kind of focus on boxing, focus on some conditioning, some core, some light movements, and um, 
after my wife's birthday around July 4th, we'll take a, a little vacation. We always go on a vacation for her birthday, which is July 5th. And then I get back to working out on the court and kind of implementing my off-season training. So my PT will get back in town. I'll sit down with him. I'll sit down with, with Todd and we'll kind of go over strengths, weaknesses, things I need to improve upon and goals for the summer. Uh, we fill in the calendar for workout days, rest days, travel days, and then we just kind of go from there. But it's really, really important, um, especially at this stage in the career, uh, as I get closer to 30, that I rest, kind of recover, allow the body to to make a full recovery before you begin to put it through stress again. And I think LeBron talked about the importance of proper rest and how he wasn't happy with you know the season having to start early. And that's that's how... You know, you, you, you have a lot of overtraining issues and injuries like tendonitis and things of that nature if you don't take the proper time off. So I've tried to find that balance of, you know, doing some stuff, you know, staying close to my, my playing weight, staying close to my playing shape uh, while allowing the body to kind of turn off before uh, we get ready to, to go through the crash course of the offseason once again. But uh, I'll have a couple of vacations. One of my close friends, Trey Hearn, is getting married in Jamaica. So I'll attend that. I'll be doing some stuff with the NBPA, obviously doing some stuff with Remaking America, obviously working on my wine projects and things of that nature, which we will have a Pinot Noir coming out in September. So there's a lot of stuff that I'll be working on that can kind of keep me busy and also allow me to get a break from the court while still putting my time in, still putting my work in. But I'm excited about this offseason. I'm ex excited about a chance to kind of get better, work on my game. This is probably the first offseason in a long time where I'm going into it not injured. Um, I had the back issues from the bubble uh, the previous year. I, I had the, the popliteus uh, the year before that, and I had some knee knee issues in terms of tendonitis and, and some fluid in my knee in, in, in the previous year. So I'm happy to kind of be able to hit the ground running, uh, see, see how my body's feeling, and, and kind of take it to the next level from there. But in terms of checking in with teammates, I've actually run into a few teammates over the course of the last few weeks. Um, I ran an ex-teammate Rodney Hood. It was great to see uh, my guy Rodney. He's recovering from uh, a hand surgery, a hand injury that he got with the Toronto Raptors. And uh, he's, he's doing extremely well. It was great to see him. Uh, Dame and I talk pretty much every other day. And I'm in some group chats uh, with a lot of my teammates where we send each other funny memes, funny videos. Uh, Robert Covington and I send each other a lot of funny videos online. Kelvin and I send each other a bunch of funny videos and we got a group chat with Mel and some of the guys. So I've been able to keep up with them, stay kind of connected, uh, share share thoughts on the playoffs, share thoughts on certain things. Obviously, coaching situation and, and coaching situation for a lot of other teams is something that kind of comes up. So we, we kind of discuss it offline and, and get each other's opinions. But uh, that's, that's kind of where we're at with that. And at some point, we kind of organize times and link up with each other, whether that's in Portland or in another city uh, based on our travel schedules but it's been it's been a lot of fun obviously uh, everybody's probably wondering you know what we're going to do as an organization the Portland Trailblazers um, we've interviewed Becky Hammond we've interviewed uh, Mike D'Antoni we've interviewed Chauncey Billups um, I heard there's some rumors that we've interviewed uh, one of the Berries and some other people so it looks like it's heating up some people have been called back for second interviews and I think that we have a, a pretty good list of, of potential coaches, diverse, obviously, uh, with different backgrounds, different coaching pedigrees, some that have coached for a long time, some that are in a position to potentially become a head coach. And obviously, um, Becky, you know, coming from the, the pop pedigree, uh, similar to Ime, um, 
has high expectations, high hopes, and is is a very good candidate. I think D'Antoni has showed that he can be a great coach in the NBA, and Chauncey is is, is next up on that list of potential potentially great coaches uh, in the NBA. So I think that we're in, we're in great hands with with all those candidates, and kind of look forward to seeing what the team decides to do. Obviously, uh, I kind of just sit back and and watch. My job is to play, so I don't I don't get too involved in in those types of decisions. But if my input is asked, I do provide just that. But I like to kind of trust the organization, trust the leaders in place to allow them to do their job to the best of their abilities. But we got so much more to talk about. So make sure you stay locked into the Pull Up Pod. Make sure you're following the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Hit us with a five-star review. Share the show with a friend and tell that friend to tell a friend because we got so much more to talk about, including the Clippers' sons, CP potentially coming back. One of the craziest games I've ever seen in my life. Um, told my wife that might be the best playoff game I've seen in, in, in three to five years. Uh, obviously, Kawhi's game winner was crazy um, a few years back uh, when he put away the Philadelphia 76ers, but we have to talk about the past, the screen. We got to talk about the Clippers and Utah series, the Brooklyn series um, ending uh, against a, a tough Milwaukee Bucks opponent. Then we kind of shift over uh, to some of the other series, the Atlanta Hawks, obviously um, advancing past the Sixers. There's a lot of talk about Ben Simmons. There's a lot of talk about the Sixers organization and what they do. So there's a lot to discuss. M.A. Udoka uh, ends up getting hired by the Boston Celtics. So things are happening. I think Coach Terry's interviewing for the Indiana Pacers job. So much, so much to talk about. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The farmer's dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. One of the best games of the playoffs thus far. Obviously, there's been some great game sevens uh, in the playoffs, but I don't think any of them were back and forth the way this Suns-Clippers game was back and forth. Um, Obviously, uh, CP has not played in games one and two, and the Suns are up 2-0. But with just under 20 seconds left, the Suns were down one. Book has the ball along the baseline. He gets the ball knocked out of bounds by Patrick Beverly. It takes forever, but kind of rewind, rewind a little bit, rewind a little bit, rewind a little bit. There was big shot after big shot after big shot. And it started with Paul George driving to the basket. A little Euro step, beautiful finish, gives the Clippers a league. Devin Booker comes back down. It's a nice, beautiful elbow pull-up jumper. Very, very Kobe-esque. May he rest in peace. You know, kind of gets to that midi. Rises up over Patrick Beverly. Paul George comes back down again. He wiggles, he wiggles, wiggles. Shoots a midi. Bang. Devin Booker gets the ball again. Goes down the court with hopes of scoring. It has the ball knocked away. Out of bounds. And that's when the game kind of shifted. The replay takes forever. Forever. And... I believe the official stat is that the last three minutes took like 36 real life minutes because they were 
at the counter, kind of reviewing over and over again. And by counter, I mean the table um, over and over again. They end up overturning the call. It was a questionable call because you could tell that Patrick Beverly hit the ball. And on the video, because it's in super slow motion, it looks like Booker's hand comes in contact with it again uh, as it goes out of bounds. So they give the Clippers the ball back. And the game takes a turn. I think Patrick Beverly can be seen kind of waving um, <laughs> to fans, obviously, you know, being a being a, a bit of a pest. You know, defensively, he got he got into Booker most of the night. They end up colliding heads, and Booker ends up looking like he breaks his nose. So there's just all this this different type of stuff going on behind the scenes. And Paul George, who has been great in these playoffs, he has definitely been like playoff P, you know, what what he called himself some years ago. He's been great. He stepped up and delivered. He's taken full advantage of his skill set and showed that he can run a team by himself, showed that he can be the lead guy, get his teammates involved, defend, rebound, score, hit threes, get to the free throw line, everything. And he did just that. Down the stretch uh, with their team up one, he goes to the line, misses the first one, in and out, misses the second free throw long, Suns timeout. And this is when it got a little bit more interesting. Suns drop a play for Devin Booker. Booker pops, catches the ball, begins to drive. The Clippers, they they smartened up. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. I had to make sure I got that right. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. They send the double team. Booker has to pass it. He makes one swing to Cameron Payne. Cameron Payne makes one swing to the corner to Mikael Bridges. Bridges misses a three. The ball gets knocked out of bounds. We go to review again, and it takes 10 minutes or five minutes or whatever you want to call it. Out of the timeout, Monty draws up one of the best plays I've seen. And the, the play actually originated with Jay Triano, who was uh, a coach for the Portland Trailblazers, uh, during my tenure, also coach for the Phoenix Suns, among other teams, he actually used to always talk about plays to run under a second. And he's the first person that told me there is no goaltending uh, when you pass from out of bounds and that if you ever in that position, just throw it towards the rim and, and have the big kind of jump up and, and tip the ball and dunk the ball in, whatever the case may be. He actually drew up a play in 2017 with Tyson Chandler, and he executed this to perfection and kind of talked about in the press conference how he wanted to keep it a secret and ended up having to bring it out. Um, and now the world kind of knows about it. But fast forward, Monty draws up this beautiful play. Devin Booker sets a great screen on Big Z. <laughs> We're just going to call him Big Z for the sake of this. And Jay Crowder makes one of the best passes of the series. The pass comes from the baseline at an angle in which it looks like it's going to hit the side of the backboard. And it turns out to be a perfect alley-oop to Aiton, who tips, tips the ball in less than 0.1 seconds. So now there's 0.7 or 0.8 seconds left. But first, they have to review again. And this is when the game kind of took its final, its final toll on all fans in general. The reviewing has... It's been it's been overused. It's been overutilized, and I get that they're trying to make the right decisions and get as much information as possible on each play. But to review over and over and over and over again kind of stops the flow of the game. Players get stiff. The momentum kind of shifts, and fans grow tireless just as the players do. So I think that in some of these situations, the the stoppage for replay is has been way 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 too much, and. Although I understand you want to get the plays right, I think that they've kind of just blown things way, way out of proportion. But long story short, 
Sun score. There's a review. They realize uh, there should be 0.7 seconds on the clock, and then they change it to 0.8, and then they have to figure out who should be on the court. Long story short, as they're kind of showing the replay over and over again, you realize that DeMarcus Cousins pushes Book in the middle of the court. The refs don't see it, and they could have called a tech during the game, which would have shifted the game, but they did not. The NBA would later go on to announce that DeMarcus Cousins received a post game technical foul, whatever that means. And I guess that was issued um, the next day. Rewind, 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 rewind. All of this happened. This was a great game. Great momentum swing where you think the Clippers are going to win. Then you think the Suns are going to win. Then you think the Clippers are going to win again. And then the Suns actually win without Chris Paul in two consecutive games, making that their ninth straight win of the playoffs to kind of show that they're for real. They're serious. Cameron Payne has been terrific throughout this playoffs. I think he has 18 assists in, in the two games of the conference finals to one turnover. He dropped 29 points, nine assists, a few rebounds, and some clutch, clutch baskets down the stretch, hitting threes, getting to the cup. This, this guy's had a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous story. First-round pick in the league, then he's out the league. First, he's known for being a dancer, dancing with Russell Westbrook pregame, to now hitting big shots and receiving interviews postgame about how well he's playing. He was in China. He was out the league. He was in the G League. He goes to the bubble last season with Phoenix. The Phoenix Suns go, hey, no, they bring him back. And now he's kind of saved their season with Chris Paul being out for so many games and kind of showed that he's here to stay. So that's just a credit to him and his hard work and his ability to kind of overcome some tough, tough situations, some tough, tough scenarios. But he's gone on to shoot over 43% from three on the season, has been efficient, has been effective. He's guarded. He's taken on a lead guard role. Uh, with Chris Paul and without Chris Paul, and he has played really well alongside all those guys out there. So that's credit to him, Monty, the rest of the organization, JJ, CP obviously being a great leader, Devin Booker being a great leader, kind of allowing him to be the best version of himself, ultimately has helped the Phoenix Suns more than anyone probably could have imagined. And now they are two games away from going to the finals, the NBA finals, in which I project and predict that they will end up playing the Atlanta Hawks, which is something we'll talk about coming up next. But going back to another series, it's been a rough, rough week for Sixers fans. Um, a couple blown leads, uh, up 18 in one game, up 26 in another, end up losing um, to the Atlanta Hawks at home in another Highly, highly contested Game 7 in which uh, there's some controversy uh, because Ben Simmons turns down a, a couple shots. Um, he ended up finishing with 13 assists, 8 rebounds, but there was just a lot of talk about uh, him not wanting to shoot, him kind of turning down a, a shot in a pivotal play of the game in which Embiid said that's when he thought the game kind of shifted. Post-game, Doc Rivers gets asked if Ben Simmons can be the starting point guard on the championship-caliber team, and he says that he doesn't know the answer to that question. So people began to kind of question whether or not um, he's going to be in Philly long-term. Now, Ben Simmons is an extremely talented player. He's athletic. Um, he has a high basketball IQ. Uh, defensively, he's one of the best uh, defenders in the NBA. He can guard guards, wings, centers. He can initiate the break. Um He's a special, special talent, but uh, the confidence is, is just not there right now from a shooting standpoint, and I think that's the next step for him, obviously. And, and if you watched, you'll see that um, he, he pulled out of the uh, Australian Olympics for the Australian national team and said that he would work on skill development and kind of figure out how to kind of 
reshape some of those things in the summer. And I only mention this because it's a part of the NBA. And that also means that I'm going to be involved in trades for Ben Simmons. So people are always going to to start those types of rumors and things of that nature and kind of compare and contrast because the salaries are alike. We go through a tough season in which we lose. They go through a tough season in which they lose. So the fans, experts, media, journalists begin to question and wonder whether or not a trade will happen for him to come to either Portland or go to Indiana or go to any other teams with assets, picks, and players. So I had to discuss it. I think I think going forward, the Sixers obviously are going to look to make some changes potentially, and it may or may not include Ben Simmons, but I think the fact of the matter is that he's 24 years old with a bright future. Just needs to tighten up his jump shot, and I'm sure he'll work on that. The Brooklyn Nets. Brooklyn went through a tough, tough, tough situation in which they ended up collapsing. Um... For more reasons than one, they go up 2-0. Bucks fight back to force a game seven. Kyrie goes out in the middle of game three. James was currently out, uh, comes back from a hamstring prematurely, and obviously you can tell it's bothering him. It hampered him throughout the playoffs. He wasn't the same. Um, He was a shell of himself. He wasn't as explosive. It was harder for him to get around his man. Defensively, obviously, he didn't have the lateral movement, didn't have to pop in his jump shot. And ultimately, KD put on one of the best performances uh, we probably will ever see in Game 5, closing out Game 5 and then allowing them to go on to lose Game 6 and 7. But in great fashion, in which he averaged 34 points, 9 rebounds and 4 assists, two years removed uh, from an Achilles injury, and hit. One of the toughest shots you'll see in basketball while playing every second and every minute of games. Six and seven. Probably all the five, too, for being honest. But he just kind of showed another level, another gear in which we all knew was there uh, and because of his skill level, his skill set. And he ran out of gas. But before he ran out of gas, he hit a crazy shot to force overtime. It looked like it was a three to win it. Turned out that his foot was slightly on the line and they were going to lose in overtime, only scoring two points in overtime. I think he ran out of gas. He needed a little bit more help. They missed Spencer Dinwiddie. Joe Harris missed a lot of shots he normally makes. Uh, Blake Griffin was great. He played extremely well. Um, I think a lot of their other supporting cast members, Jeff Green, did did themselves favors in the playoffs by kind of showing that they still belong here. They still can contribute uh, in winning fashion to a championship contender. But I think going forward, Brooklyn just needs to get healthy. First and foremost, Kyrie's got to get his ankle healthy. James has to get his hamstring healthy. KD has showed that he can carry any type of load. And they need to figure out what role players they want to retain for the upcoming season. Uh, they've, they've done a great job of kind of filling some holes. Obviously, they missed LaMarcus Aldridge, my guy, uh, who, who was forced to kind of retire due to some heart issues. But they'll be okay. Steve Nash did did what he could with what he was given. And I think going forward, Brooklyn will, will figure things out at some point. They just have to be healthy. This is a game that unfortunately is determined oftentimes uh, by health, by luck, by positioning, by matchups, and so many other things. But it's going to be very, very, very interesting to see what the NBA looks like after this summer from a coaching standpoint to a player standpoint. And one thing's for certain. One thing is for certain. Nate McMillan will be re-signing with someone, and it better be the Atlanta Hawks because he has been coaching his tail off. He showed that he's a value add. He showed that he's an asset. He showed that he can get the best out of his players and has figured out a way to take this young Atlanta Hawks team who's also battling some injuries. Um, They have 
a number of players who are out. Uh, Bogdanovich has, has been questionable. He may or may not play uh, due to some some knee issues. Um, he's continuing to try to figure out things. Cam Reddish, who was a starter for them, uh, has been out uh, for for quite some time. And they've still figured out a way to continue to, to not only survive, but to to thrive. They make a midseason acquisition. Uh, for Lou Williams, uh, they obviously pick up some veterans on their roster who can contribute and kind of help out, uh, not only with their bench, but with their starting starting lineup and starting units. And their young, young pick, DeAndre Hunter, um, out of Virginia, is also injured, and they're still figuring out a way to kind of succeed. So that kind of shows you where they're at. And they've been the comeback kids. Uh, they've come back from from large deficits, and Kevin Herter, a.k.a. Kayvon was the closer in Game 7, scoring 27 points, while Trey Young finished with 21, but also struggled from the field. But I'm really looking forward to seeing, you know, what happens in the in, in this Eastern Conference Finals. I know Ice Trey will play extremely well in the road, but even better at home. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, Giannis and and them kind of match up and, and seeing the, the X's and O's of the game and, and what type of adjustments are made because it's always about the adjustments after games one and two. And and that's usually who has the best chance of winning. So I'm looking forward to seeing it. I do, I do think that it's going to be the Bucks and the Suns um, in the NBA Finals. I could be wrong, but I doubt it. And it's easy for me to say that, you know, sitting, sitting from uh, <laughs> the comfort of my home now that we've been eliminated. But it's just my... My expertise, having looked at the teams, looked at the depth of the teams, uh, what they've gone through to get to this point, with CP coming back to Phoenix, um, with with Giannis kind of finding himself, finding a rhythm, being battle-tested, having gone through a a rigorous season in which they were down, uh, a rigorous playoff in which they were down 0-2. Chris Middleton having to dig deep and hit big shots. Drew struggling from the field uh, in a game seven, uh, only to go on and play extremely well in the fourth quarter. And to see P.J. Tucker playing well, guarding, moving his puppies, doing little things, I'm excited for what will be a great, great NBA Finals. But before I get ahead of myself, we'll be touching on Devin Booker. Is he the next Kobe Bryant? According to Stephen A. he is. We'll definitely talk about the Celtics hire and so much more. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Now it's time for one of my favorite segments, Pull Up or Dish. The first part of the segment is about whether or not Devin Booker is becoming the next Kobe Bryant. Stephen A. has said that 
he is the next Kobe Bryant. I am a huge, huge Devin Booker fan. I'm a huge Kobe Bryant fan, obviously. He's one of my favorite players of all time. May he rest in peace. I think there's a lot of similarities in their games, how smooth they are, how dedicated they are to their craft. Obviously, Book can score at three levels. He plays in Kobe's shoes. Um, he looks up to Kobe, and he has that same work ethic, that same tenacity, and his position to potentially win a championship as a young star in this league. So I respect his game and the way he attacks it, for sure. But I think it's a little premature to call him the next Kobe. I think, I think you have to let him kind of continue to solidify who he is and what he is, because he is special in his own right. And to compare him to Kobe, I think, is just a unjust and unfair situation that you're you're putting him in because he's unique he's explosive when he needs to be he's therapeutic in terms of his movement in terms of how poised and calm he is for his teammates in tough situations and he showed that he can deliver time and time again and he's a legitimate superstar he was a legitimate superstar before the playoffs this season i've seen the work i've seen the transition of it i've guarded him I've seen how easy and effortless the game is for him. But he's averaging 28, 7, and 5 in his first playoff. And he's showing that he has an assassin-like mentality. He's a silent killer. And I'm dishing on him as as the next Kobe because I think he's creating his own lane uh, while, while using some of the things he's learned from Kobe. I think he's special and has a, a, a very, very bright future. And there are definitely some similarities in their games, but... From an explosive standpoint, Kobe was just different, man. Like his his bounce, uh, fast breaks, the things he was doing, dunking on footers, like that athleticism, it was unlike anything we've seen. I would say that Devin is probably definitely a better shooter um, at this stage in their careers. Obviously, Kobe went out of high school. Devin went to Kentucky for seven months and was out of there. But I would say that Devin's skill set and ability to kind of create in those spaces is, is very unique and very Kobe-like, but they're different players, and I think he's heading in that direction for sure, heading in that path, and if he can get a championship um, at this stage in his career, he'll be right right on pace, right on cue. The Celtics hire Nets assistant Ime Udoku as head coach. Ime is born and raised in Portland. Um, he went to Jefferson High School. I've met him and know him. Uh, he's been mentored by the great Popovich uh, for over seven years. Uh, he was an assistant coach this past season with, with Steve Nash in Brooklyn. He spent two years in Philly under Brett Brown, and it was only a matter of time before he got this job in this position. Uh, ever since Brad Stevens stepped down as head coach and stepped into a front office position, uh, he's been in charge of leading the search, and he's been making some moves. And I'm excited for Ime uh, to get an opportunity to coach. Uh, he was highly, highly recommended by Celtics players, uh, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Marcus Smart. They all played for him on Team USA in the 2019 FIBA World Cup. And we'll get a chance to play for him full time now. I think he's a great fit for the team. I think he's learned a lot over the course of his career, and it, it's great for him to get an opportunity. Um, they've tried to continue to figure out ways to make wholesale changes within their organization. Uh, obviously, uh, promoting Brad Stevens, uh, having him kind of take that position, and seeing Danny Ainge step down uh, after you know almost 20 years of being a part of the organization, you knew they were going to kind of 
figure out a different way to make a splash. And this is definitely a, a way to make a splash by by trading Kimba Walker and and now this. So I think they're heading in the right direction. I think Brad's done a good job. Uh, Kimba was obviously unhappy there. Uh, the Celtics were able to part ways with him while giving up a first-round pick and getting Al Horford, as well as Moses Brown, who's a former teammate of, of mine. So I'm happy to see Moses uh, in a position to be on a winning team. Moses has worked extremely hard. Uh, he's athletic, he's long, he's tall. He can rebound, and I think he'll be a value add uh, for that roster and that organization. Get the dub. Carl Nassib took the Instagram to come out as gay, and he's the first active player to do so. And the next day, his jersey became the number one seller in the NFL. Uh, I think this is definitely a step in the right direction. I think there's going to become a time where Things like this aren't necessary, where it's not necessary for him to come out and, and, and make a public statement or a video. But the fact that he's done that has kind of opened up the door for some other players who may be in a similar position or may feel like um, they they now will be heard and, and, and have a, a voice. I think for me personally, I respect everyone. Um, any decision that, that they make um, are, are theirs, and I continue to respect them regardless of circumstance and situation. And I think for for a guy who's played in the sports world, you grow so accustomed to differences, uh, whether that's religion, ethnicity, sexuality, people coming from different countries. I have teammates that have, have come from all over the world, and I think that uh, when you kind of meet them halfway and, and, and figure out ways to continue to talk to them, have those conversations, you better understand the way they grew up, the situations they've been in. You know, for me, learning about NERC's culture and learning about some of NERC's customs, having people on the executive committee like Bismack Biambo, who where I can learn more about where he comes from. I think that's great. It creates a, a stronger environment and it helps make the world a better place because um, no matter what, we're all human beings at the end of the day and we have to respect each other. Um, and I think that we're heading in that direction. And I give Carl a lot of credit for stepping up and and speaking out and continuing to figure out ways to generate not only awareness, but to raise money for great causes. So he definitely gets the dub of the day. But Alex Caruso is taking a slight L. Texas A&M police arrested Alex Caruso on Tuesday for possession of marijuana and drug paraphernalia at his alma mater. I had no idea um, marijuana wasn't legal in Texas, first of all. And I think he was only flying with a grinder, so... He had maybe less than a gram on him, which is crazy. Uh, Caruso obviously plays in L.A. with the Lakers, and it's legal in L.A. Uh, there's a dispensary pretty much everywhere. A lot of players took to social media to speak out. And to save Rick Caruso, there was a hashtag trending in his support. I think it's crazy that it's really easy to get guns in Texas. Uh, there's really easy to do so many things in Texas, but he gets arrested for having a little bit of marijuana on him in an airport. I think the world needs to do better. There's a lot of people facing prison time right now um, due to some of the restrictions that were on marijuana in the past. And now it's legal in, in a lot of states and people are capitalizing on this and making money off of it while people serve time in jail. So I think that this is an unfair situation, although Crusoe's taking the L. I think the state of Texas also should take the L because they need to change some of their rules and get with the times. Speaking of times, it's time for you to cue the wine music, please. I've been resting, drinking tea, hydrating with water, walking the dog, aka watching the dog run around, um, relaxing, catching up on calls, meetings, working on my boxing skills, tightening up my hands. But I did recently take some time 
um, to get out to Oregon wine country and spend some time, not only Alzheim, but also Stoller and Longalow. And I actually did a shoot for Good Morning America to talk about the One Barrel Challenge, the importance of making wine more diverse and also having some wine. And, and most recently, I had a 2019 wine from Longalow that was a part of the One Barrel Challenge. It was a 2019 from Dundee Hills, Oregon. It was very, very good. It was smooth. Um, it paired well with the nothing that I had. It was a nice, nice hot day. Uh, it's very, very affordable price. It's probably sold out now, but it was about $45. And I would highly, highly, highly recommend it. Um, they have a great a group of winemakers over there. I think Shannon Fry is in partnership with them. Uh, Kevin Love has also just joined joined board for the Chosen Wine family. And uh, they have a lot of great stuff that they're doing. So uh, I think it's important that we continue to share and promote others. And, and that's definitely a place that's doing things the right way. So that is my wine of the week. I hope you guys are able to enjoy it. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Be sure to follow the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your shows and tell a friend to tell a friend. And hit the show up on social media. Hit us up at Pull a Pot on Twitter, at Pull a Pot on Instagram. We're always trying to post fresh content and get ideas as to how we should continue to make the show better for you all. And as the saying goes, don't forget to pull up.